Greetings, friends, and welcome back to Fathoms and Enneagram Podcast. This is Abram, your friendly neighborhood nine. <laughs> and both my podcasting counterparts are here today as well. Uh, today should be fun, guys, I, I think, because for one, it's Tuesday, which means it's another Fathom 15, a shorter episode, right? Yeah, where we focus on more um, Enneagram 101 content. Yes. And so today's topic is... Lines. lines, lines of connection, resource points, integration, disintegration, stress, security, blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> what do you think, guys? <laughs> There's a lot to talk about here. So yes, we're is. just going to scratch the surface, but hopefully we can yep. uh, introduce the audience to some concepts that can help unpack the lines. So what I think one of the uh, more interesting ways to think about the lines is through just some cool math. If you were to, and I encourage anyone who's listening to this that can safely do this, you know, if you're driving, don't do this. But <laughs> if you go to the calculator app on your phone and you take one and divide it by seven, you're going to get a sequence of numbers that actually, I think it goes on into infinity. Is that right, guys? Probably. Yeah. I think it does. Yeah. Uh, but it's a sequence of numbers, one, four, two, eight, five, seven. And then it starts over yep. again, one, four, two, eight, five, seven. Now, this is known in the Enneagram world, uh, especially Rizzo and Hudson have done a lot of work on this. I'm sure others have as well, as the direction of disintegration or stress. And so if you then look at an Enneagram symbol, you'll see all these interconnected lines. And you will see that if you trace that uh, numeric sequence, one, four, two, eight, five, seven, you will see uh, all these connected lines uh, as they relate to the stress points on the Enneagram. And then, mm. uh, but you'll also notice you're missing three of numbers, the three, the six, and the nine, because they form their own little uh, community of connectedness. And if you trace uh, the nine to the six to the three and back to the nine, you'll also get another path of disintegration or stress. And so these get at these stress points that are uh, so often uh, talked about in Enneagram books or workshops. And now if you reverse the path, and it would be something like one, seven, five, eight, two, four, and then back to one. You get uh, what is what Rizzo and Hudson call the direction of integration or the direction of growth. So this would be the security points or the heart points, depending on which teacher you learn from. And the same would be true if you reverse that equilateral triangle of the three, the six, and the nine, where you go from nine to three to six, back to nine. So just some fun math there. Again, uh, to help you remember, one divided by seven uh, gets you um, most of these numbers on, on the Enneagram, except for the three, the six, and the nine, which form that equilateral triangle. Anything else to say about that, gents? This is where in the original literature out there, you see the arrow pointing in one direction and yes. uh, pointing forward and then one pointing backwards. And then a, a lot of a lot more newer content out there has gotten rid of those because of some of these theories have uh, kind of uh, been questioned and uh, seen as not perfectly black and white. Um, but yeah, I just find it so fascinating that, well, math proves the Enneagram. <laughs> yeah. Well, we should do an episode on math. No, sometime. Yeah. not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Nikola Tesla is, is known for uh, saying that there's, 
there's some secrets to the universe regarding the numbers three, six, and nine. Um, he, he even says, if you find, if you want to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. Oh. And wow. Yeah. He's, oh, wow. We're in it now. Yeah. Yeah. There's just something <laughs> we, fascinating. We have there surpassed that's 101. Been around. <laughs> <laughs> All that to say, the math is really it's interesting for the lines as it relates to the yes. Enneagram framework. Yes, yes, yes. yes. It yeah. is. Cool. Yeah. So yeah. back to 101, yeah. practically speaking, what are the lines? What do they do? I think this is a good spot to talk about so some of the, the theories yes. that have been around um, and potentially move into them as working theories that don't hold completely. Um, but yeah, so I thought I might bring in a little bit of history here that I've um, read about from a respected teacher in the Enneagram community named Stephanie Davis, who uh, has written that the origination of the theory that uh, the lines represent, you know, the, the, where the directions of stress and security or integration and, and disintegration actually came out of a meeting with uh, Claudio Narano that he had in, in Berkeley, California in the early days of the Enneagram of Personality. And uh, he and a group of students were discussing the fact that the two line points contain sort of opposites of some kind or another to our point. Um, and then we seem to travel to these different lines to mitigate something we were doing compulsively or excessively in our own type. Right. And then that discussion, um, in that discussion, people started to comment that it seemed like they were going to one of the line points was, was easier and going to the other was more difficult. And this is kind of where the whole stress and security uh, movement started. And then from there, actually, a lot of the teachers sort of solidified this idea. And even the Enneagram community started using it to help nail down figuring out your type. But then people started noticing sort of the exception to this rule, if you will, and found that it didn't always hold true. So Naranjo himself actually came out and clarified that it was never really meant to be taken as gospel. It was just a high probability and that you might mm. go in either direction for various reasons. And so, in other words, directionally, although common, it wasn't set in stone. It's common to hear Enneagram teachers talk about, we go to one number in stress and another number another number in security. Yes. But what you're saying, Abram, is that we actually, a lot of teachers have helped correct the thinking that we can go to either one of those numbers that we're connected to in a sort of stress or security. Yeah, my, my personal experience, which is I think what you got to look at, this is very true. It's not always, but it's it's more likely that when I am uh, highly stressed that I take on attributes, characteristics of the six, and we can name why, but yeah, that his just idea, the probability makes so much sense when you understand that one of your lines contains the opposite of what, what you need in order mm, to manage right. or compensate for how you've overused the gift of your type that makes yeah. so much sense to me yeah, and, sure. and it's it's kind of like that you know the idea of the rubber band snapping back due to tension mm -hmm. you know yeah. it does make yeah. i think the the way that a lot of people struggle with with that sort of language um is we immediately identify stress as a negative thing um and security yeah. as a positive thing and i mean stress right. you everything from drinking coffee to working out to uh, a stressful phone call to having fun is a stress on your body as well. I mean, there is, sure. so just stress does not have a good or bad connotation. There's just, there is more just how you deal with it. I mean, that is, yeah. I mean, take that everywhere in your life. Like <laughs> it doesn't something, most things are not necessarily completely good or completely bad. It's more how you deal with it and how you re respond to it. That really um, gives some level of health or unhealth. 
or high side or low side, uh, as they say. Yeah, that's a great right. point. And I think uh, I can think of times in my life where stress has kind of clarified and focused mm-hmm. my attention in a really good and healthy way. You know, if, if you think about times in which uh, you tend to work well under pressure, right? Mm-hmm. That's a mm-hmm. form of stress that helps motivate. Uh, but there are also times in my life where uh, my response to stress has been unhealthy, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and and uh, not at all helpful um, to any part of me. Yeah. Right. Totally. And and so this high side, low side that you mentioned, I think is really important. A lot of Enneagram teachers are now teaching more that both of these points that we're connected to, uh, we can go to a high side, quote unquote, or a low side of either one of them. It's not just about going to one when we're stressed and one when we're right. insecure. Right. Exactly. right. Yeah. I love what Suzanne Stabile says. She says that you can't take care of yourself without the number you go to in stress. Mm. And you yeah. can't experience holistic healing without the number you go to in security. As a three, uh, I have these connection, these lines that are connected to the type six and the type nine. And in this kind of traditional teaching that we've been talking about, you know, I'm connected to the six in security and the nine in stress. Or if we talk about integration and dis- disintegration, connected to the six in integration and the nine in disintegration. Now, uh, that doesn't always hold up. I, I go to both um, when I'm integrated, when I'm disintegrated. It's not necessarily dependent upon that, I think. And mm. um, it's more complicated than that. Yeah, for me, it's about um, sort of the difference between functional, un- unconscious functional health and then actually in the, uh, the, the integration of your, your, your secure number that actually requires conscious effort and hard work. Yeah, sure. There's like, I think of the lines actually more of as, as instinctive moves and, and moves that we are making when we're not present. Mm. And this is all about, this is all about presence, right? Your right. quality of, of presence. With that said, I think um, both of our, our connection numbers, our lines of connection, whether we're conscious of it or not they help they both help us get a need met but ultimately aren't what move us toward transformation yeah, yeah. i think even rizzo and hudson would say that stress and security are indicators of that we are in the average range of health right. or unhealthy right. <laughs> so it's not that we there you go. Uh, are moving because we get to some kind of enlightened state right or that we're right. a complete disaster yeah. neither one of the two typically it's more that we're just in our average when our type is showing, this is this is often what happens. Yeah, and, right. And I think it's right. important to also just reiterate with the points along the enneagram, we we often find them to be static, but really, it's each point is informing the points that it's connected to. So, so yes, from like I guess the easiest the easiest uh, example would be the nine, three, and six. Like it's not just there is a point nine. No, it's it's the three and the six that make up the point nine. Yeah. Yeah, it really does help us see the dyna- dynamism that you talked about, Creek, right. and the interconnectedness right. of the, the type so that they're not just these random nine, you know, right. uh, points that happen to be near each right. other. Right, exactly. Along the lines of working with the lines, something that I've uh, found really helpful is, uh, I don't know if this originated from Beatrice Chestnut. Uh, she brings up the thing of, as far as growth, First, you need to go against the arrow to the point, like for me, right? There's going against the arrow means going from four to point one and getting, it's getting your lost childhood message. And you you kind of, in the way of growth, you need to confront and you need to get back to um, that lost childhood message. 
that is represented at that point one um, in order for you to then go to mm. two and actually be able to do that work. So for me, I have to go back to one and find that equanimity, find that value, find that that perfectness that is inside me that I consistently doubt in order for me then to take to take my gifts and 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 use that point two or or to go to that point two and um, actually help people, actually yeah. serve people in a way that's not trying to grasp for my value and my attention and love because I are, it's coming from a place of fullness rather than a place of emptiness. Mm. So keeping yeah. that in mind as a way of growth, um, there's also the theory of soul child, which I don't think we have time <laughs> to get into right now. Um, and I know for some people it's, it's a little bit controversial, but I do think there's some level of, um, uh, I just keep coming back to this. I mean, what, what Leslie, Leslie Hirschberger talked about of just it on some level doesn't matter what is the correct right theory but how is it opening you up and how what is it showing you and that's the important part so the concept of the soul child is you came into the world um as as for me going against your line you go you came into the world as a one and then through your ego development you became a four and then there's a lot of other theories around there but um, that's really interesting. Sandra Maitri's book talks about that. Uh, and there's Becoming Conscious by Dr. Joseph Howell that we'll have in the show notes uh, for that as well. So I think this could easily, to maybe a, a beginning Enneagram uh, student or enthusiast, this could be really overwhelming. Uh, my suggestion sure. would be, though, that there, even though there are a lot of theories about this particular aspect of the Enneagram, uh, I think what's most important is to see that these lines are uh, resource points for our type. And uh, it, it doesn't necessarily matter that uh, we choose the perfect theory because that doesn't exist, but rather that we do look at these, um, these lines as opportunities for growth. And that's what seems to be most important. Yep. So whichever mm-hmm. one uh, of those theories tends to work for you yeah. best, um, uh, lean into that and use it um, because it does provide an opportunity for you yeah. not to stay fixed necessarily on your particular point on the Enneagram circle. But there is an opportunity for growth. As, as long as you are practicing staying aware of your patterns and, and staying conscious of the ways in which you are making yourself less, then this is, this is, norm, this is how it's going to shake out. One more idea that I think has been really helpful for me. And I I think it's been really helpful for others. And that would be by Abby Robbins, who we've referenced before on this podcast. And Abby has uh, somewhat of a unique and I think helpful take on the lines and in which Abby refers to them as vantage and refuge. So that uh, security point is a place of vantage often, and that maybe stress point can be a place of refuge. And and we can, if we think about high side and low side, that can be used in both of those areas. But a vantage mm-hmm. helps us open up and see more broadly, whereas a refuge is a place to go and cover, rest, heal up. And we need both in our lives. And so uh, if you mm-hmm. check out Abby's Conscious Enneagram uh, Instagram, Abby uh, does a lot of work with vantage and refuge as it relates to the lines on that Instagram feed. And by vantage, you mean vantage point, correct? Like, like you're standing on top of a mountain kind of thing. Yeah, so if you think about when you're standing up high somewhere and you can see for seemingly forever 
or mm-hmm. even uh, in order to do that, you have to really open yourself up, which means you're feeling more safe and secure and you're able to look around more freely versus uh, when you're in a place of refuge, you're more kind of huddled up, covered up, and and we need both in our lives. And so that can be helpful as mm-hmm. well to view those points as points of vantage and refuge on the lines. Yeah, yeah. that's helpful. Yeah, along with that, I really love Mario Sikora's work on the lines. He calls them neglected and support strategies. His his take on these these is that all the types are sort of adaptive strategies and ways of getting our needs met due to our predisposition. Um, but the neglected strategy refers to the the classic security point but he also includes the downside um of uh of the secure point you know because it's not only good right as we've been addressing and then for the support strategy this refers to the his version of the stress point but he also includes language on the upside because it's as we've said it's not only it's not only bad right to just stress isn't bad but um one of the things i really like about his take is that he addresses our our biased interpretation of how we see our lines so for example, he says, like, for type one who strives to be perfect, they work hard not to be irresponsible, which is how they interpret the seven experience. You know, and then they're in the trance of their, of uh, needing to be perfect and right. They see the seven as the irresponsible one, and they can't be that way if they if they need to be perfect, right? So it's, it's kind of a, a way to see how we interpret how we don't take on the benefit of both of our right. lines. And I just, I think he's got some really, really solid... Uh, language and unique language out there about about traveling the lines. So with all this in mind, um, I, I think of uh, just one last quote from uh, Richard Rohr, who says that we don't think ourselves into new ways of living. We live ourselves into new ways of thinking. And so I think one of the best gifts of these lines is that we can practice what would it be like to uh, see life through the lens of, of this type and practice that and, and uh, sort of relieve ourselves from uh, the narrow way that we are trying to to engage life, and so yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed that. This is uh, just a brief take on on the lines, and uh, we'll see you next time. Truthwork Media Studios.